You are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR, FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino, Placerville. For their support, we'd like to thank Mama Madrone's Eco Emporium on Broad Street, Nevada City, and online. Offering earth-friendly, sustainably made clothing, local and fair trade artisan gifts, home decor, and more. Online store and information, mamamadrones.com. And Whitewater Naturopathic Medicine, providing preventative medicine and treatment to promote optimal health using therapeutic models and modalities. Doctors Carolyn and Gregory Weisswasser have been serving Central California since 2004 in Grass Valley. Whitewaternaturopathic.com. After the NPR headlines and local weather, I'll be speaking with Taylor Wolf about this, some new regulations concerning outdoor music in Nevada County. And we will have some audio from the ceremony for the Blue Atlas Tree on Broad Street and Bennett Street in Nevada City that will be soon cut down. But first, NPR headlines followed by local weather. Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. Former President Barack Obama is out campaigning for his former VP tonight. Obama touching down in Philadelphia on behalf of Democratic presidential contender Joe Biden, where he accused incumbent Donald Trump of not taking the office seriously at the expense of the nation. The rest of us have had to live with the consequences of him proving himself incapable of taking the job seriously. At least 220,000 Americans have died. More than 100,000 small businesses have closed. Obama criticized Trump for leaving the country and its reputation in, as he put it, tatters and instituting policies that have only benefited billionaires. The president, meanwhile, is out on the campaign trail again this evening, paying a visit to North Carolina ahead of tomorrow's final presidential debate. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is expanding its definition of what it means to be someone who's at increased risk for having caught the coronavirus. NPR's Rob Stein has details. The CDC had defined a close contact as someone who spent at least 15 minutes within six feet of someone who was infected with the virus. But the CDC now says that 15 minutes doesn't have to happen all at once. It can be a total of 15 minutes over the course of a 24-hour period. That could significantly increase the number of people who could be considered close contacts of an infected person. Close contacts are supposed to quarantine for 14 days and get tested for the virus. The decision was based on a Vermont prison guard who got infected after having 22 interactions, totaling 17 minutes over an eight-hour shift with infected inmates. Rob Stein. NPR News. U.S. government is still trying to figure out what caused brain injuries among dozens of employees in China and Cuba. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is defending his record responding to this, as NPR's Michelle Kelman explains. GQ and the New York Times have lengthy articles revealing new cases of what's been called the Havana Syndrome. It started in Cuba, where dozens of U.S. embassy employees reported symptoms such as headaches, vertigo, and fatigue. Similar stories then came out of China and elsewhere. Secretary Pompeo Pompeo brushes off suggestions that the U.S. treated these cases differently. The suggestion somehow is that uh, we didn't protect our officers because of some larger political objective that is patently false. 
patently. He says there are multiple theories about what caused the health issues, but not yet any complete U.S. government analysis. Michelle Kellerman, NPR News, the State Department. Hurricane Epsilon was expected to gain strength, but that's happened faster than forecasters thought. The storm now a major hurricane with 115 mile an hour winds, so it's likely to miss Bermuda tomorrow. On Wall Street, the Dow was down 97 points. This is NPR. Theme parks in California say new state guidelines will keep them closed indefinitely, affecting hundreds of thousands of workers and businesses across that state. NPR's Greg Allen reports the industry says it's considering options to speed reopening, including possible legal action. Theme parks say they were blindsided by California's plan announced Tuesday. It doesn't allow major parks to reopen until their counties reach what the state terms a minimal risk category. In Orange County, home to Disneyland, a health official says that's not likely until next summer. Karen Irwin, the president of Universal Studios Hollywood, says the park spent months developing protocols that would allow them to open while still protecting the health of guests and employees. We don't see the guidelines as based in science or facts. We've proven that we can open and operate our parks safely and responsibly. Theme parks reopened in Florida over the summer, and local health officials there say they haven't caused any significant outbreaks. Greg Allen, NPR News. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News. And taking a look at the weather. First, here in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area, looks like we'll have a low of 61 tonight, high of 77 tomorrow. Clear and sunny all week with temperatures cooling to the mid-60s by Sunday. Looks like in Sacramento we'll have a low of 57 tonight, high of 82 tomorrow. Sunny all week with highs in the upper 70s. I'm speaking with Taylor Wolf, uh, who helps us with communications with the Nevada County uh, government. And Taylor, uh, thank you so much for all that you do keeping us informed. Uh, this week there was a, a show that was, uh, we can't call it a show, it was a something that was going to happen uh, outside of the Crazy Horse Saloon that got canceled um, because uh, they said there were some new regulations that were coming down uh, that making it more and more difficult to have uh, music uh, in those situations. So I thought I'd just call you and just get it straight. Exactly what are the, the the regulations regarding live music in Nevada County at this time? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Thanks so much uh, for having me on. As always, we really appreciate the opportunity. Um, COVID-19 has really brought challenges at every turn, I think, and there's a lot of education. There's a lot of nuances that we're all training to, to learn and um, make behavioral changes on to keep our community safe. So, yes, um, you know, I think more so than the new regulations, um, maybe a little bit more education is needed on what is a high-risk behavior for the spread of COVID-19 and how do we put modifications in place to keep our community safe. Um, so, you know, with, with live music, events, and large gatherings are still out of the picture. That's not part of the state's allowable COVID-19 guidance um, due to the high risk of activity of gathering large crowds together, crowds together, excuse me, for mixed households. However, with restaurants being open with modification from limited capacity, there has been recent questions and a little bit of confusion about having live music at local restaurants and also farmers markets as well. So Nevada County, we are in the orange tier, which is the second 
least restrictive tier of the state's four-tier system. Um, and really, you know, being in this less restrictive orange tier, that's really kudos to our community um, and our public health contact tracers because we've all been working hard to limit the spread. And it goes back to all those mitigations we've been putting in place um, for several months now. You know, the masking, refraining from uh, gatherings with other households, um, keeping that physical distancing and keeping those good hygiene habits, washing our hands at the forefront. So um, that being said, with the state tier system and being able to eat uh, up to 50% capacity indoors and eat outdoors, and again, kudos to uh, both of our cities. They've uh, made some great street closures that I think have allowed additional dining and have honestly created a really fun atmosphere, too, for people to enjoy while the weather is good. But also, um, it's brought about this opportunity for live music. So again, uh, this can be a high-risk activity. So with Nevada County Public Health, what we really want people to know is how to do so safely um, since the restaurants are putting that physical distancing between tables um, in place. So when someone is singing, it is likely that they're projecting their voice and also more likely that they may project their respiratory droplets. So um, guidance from both Nevada County Public Health, it's on our COVID facts on our mynevadacounty.com slash coronavirus webpage. Um, singers must wear a mask and be 10 feet from other band members, patrons, and staff when instruments are strongly discouraged. And all band members must wear a mask as well and be six feet apart from each other. So really, again, it goes back to those respiratory droplets and trying not to spread them. Equipment such as mics should not be shared. We also want people to consider the volume of the music. So keeping the volume low can allow patrons to speak more quietly rather than projecting their voices themselves to talk amongst themselves and increasing their own respiratory droplets while eating. So uh, these specifics about wearing a mask, are these, uh, are these state uh, recommendations or is this the interpretation of the county in this situation? These recommendations, these guidelines for music at restaurants or farmer's market are coming specifically from Nevada County Public Health on our website in our COVID Frequently Asked Questions document, but it is aligned closely with the California Department of Public Health. They recently released guidance on private gatherings to help people do so safely. Um, while also recognizing that it's a high-risk activity. So in that guidance, um, again, talks a lot about the modifications. We all know and are used to distancing, masking, hands, being outside. Um, specifically, this also talks about if you are doing a private gathering, please limit to no more than three households and try to limit to two hours or less. But it also talks about um, singing, chanting, or shouting at private gatherings and really aligns with the guidance that we put into our local COVID-19 facts for restaurants that want to offer live music here. So um, having the singers wear masks, physical distancing, and consideration of the volume are all included in the state guidance for private gatherings, similarly to what we have in our local guidance for restaurants or farmers markets who may be interested in offering live music. Um is it possible at this time to have live music indoors at restaurants so that would follow these guidelines? 
You know, it is not recommended just because um, we know that being outside helps limit um, or slow the spread of COVID-19. Um, you know, if people have questions that get into the details of COVID-19 guidance, we have an email for people to reach out to us at. It's COVID-19 recovery at uh, CA period Nevada period CA period US. Uh, what other uh, things uh, would you like to share with our audience um, about this and other similar topics at this time? Yeah, thank you, Paul. You know, we we recognize that COVID-19, it continues to have um, its challenges and its learning curve. And really, we just want to, to thank the community, businesses, community members, everyone for their hard work and being willing to, you know, make a small changes in their lifestyle to keep our community and our most vulnerable um, healthier as a whole. So as a county, we continue to look for ways to support businesses through the year that 2020 has been. Uh, we recently just started today stopping by businesses to uh, personally thank them uh, with masks and physical distancing, of course, uh, for all they've done to keep our community safe and also to connect them with additional and upcoming PPE resources. In particular, with this effort, we're focusing on the unincorporated downtown areas who may not have formal chamber organizations and may not have received the same support earlier on. Um, Environmental Health has also launched an application. It'll be coming out Friday. That will be to waive environmental health fees for the 2021 uh, fiscal year. Uh, Again, that will be up on our website Friday at mynevadacounty.com slash coronavirus. Uh, environmental health permits specifically are for restaurants, bars and breweries, tattoo parlors, swimming pools and spas and organized campgrounds. So if you have a business that belongs to one of those industries, you can likely have your fees waived from environmental health for the fiscal year 2021. And of course, again, if people have questions, um, want to reach out about the additional support, they can get a hold of us at COVID-19 Recovery at B-O period Nevada period C-A period U.S. Uh, here's another question. Does the mask requirement also include a comedy? Uh, if you had a, a comedian, uh, would they be required to wear a mask? Yes, absolutely. They would be required to, to have a mask. And actually, you know, state guidance doesn't actually cover performances specifically at this time. So, There is no guidance currently um, talking about performances outside of live music like comedians would be and that that would be an allowable activity. Um, But again, for nuanced questions like that, we encourage people to reach out to us. Our COVID-19 recovery email is routed through several different departments. Um, Our Nevada County Public Health staff have a close relationship with California Department of Public Health to elevate questions upward as needed. So please, if you have nuanced questions, reach out to us at COVID-19 recovery at CO period Nevada period CA period US. I'm sure it's appreciated uh, that it's virtually impossible to sing with a mask on. So that pretty much eliminates any any singers uh, in this situation. Absolutely. Yes, that, you know, you put it nicely, Paul, that is appreciated here. It would be difficult to sing with a mask on. Um, We know these are hard times. We appreciate our community partners that are 
trying to do some of these activities virtually. We know we're all a little bit um, video meeting fatigued at this point, and we're all trying to work towards solutions um, that ultimately mitigate the risk of COVID-19. When it comes down to it, unfortunately, um, singing and projecting your voice that goes back to those respiratory droplets, the reason we wear masks and protecting our community. So it is a high-risk activity. Um, but we are very grateful for the community to, for putting in place the practices that they have so far. We, we don't want to see us to have an outbreak or an increase in cases that would make us go backwards within the tier system and ultimately, um, you know, cause more restrictions, not only for our community, but our business community as well. Taylor, thank you so much for speaking with KVMR. Thank you, Paul. The tree referred to as the Blue Atlas on Broad Street and Bennett Street in Nevada City will be cut down. Today, there was a ceremony to bid farewell to the tree. Matt Ozaposki, who is one of the organizers of the Save Nevada City Trees movement, spoke. Also, I had an interview with Nevada City Councilman Doug Fleming and other people also spoke out about the situation. Hey everybody, Matt Ozapowski. A um, couple of things I wanted to say. First of all, it's true that we're surrendering on this tree. We're doing so because of the science. I really want to emphasize that the reasons that we think this tree now has to be let go are not the same reasons that PG&E originally came in with. And so our fight from the beginning was to have this tree be given the dignity of a proper inspection and a proper scientific analysis and PG&E did not do that. We have made sure that got done with the support of the city for which I'm very grateful. And so the reasons we're letting go now, it's not a surrender to PG&E's system, it's an acknowledgement that their system was insufficient and that further analysis has reinforced the overall verdict but not for the reasons that they gave us at the beginning. I have been in contact with PG&E this morning and they are open to respecting our desires to do something with this wood, the stump, the wood itself that comes down. What we need to do as a group is find the people who can organize an actual request. And in the next 24 to 48 hours, we need to be able to say to PG&E, this is how we want the wood cut, this is how we want the stump left. So they're willing to work with us on that small thing, but we need to have detailed information for them. So there's been some great ideas going around, but we don't yet have a clearly defined plan for that. So anybody that's willing to play a leadership role in that, I really do need to hear from you today. So that's something to consider as we're, as we're moving forward in the ceremony. So that's all I have today. Again, we're continuing our work up in the Pioneer Cemetery. There's some gorgeous old pines there that have been looked at by Xenoact and the Arborist, and he believes they can be retained. We're going to continue that fight for as long as we possibly can. Thank you all for all of your involvement along the way, and I'll pass it on to other people for now. Nevada City Councilman Doug Fleming was in attendance and had these comments. Well, I think it's a beautiful uh, ceremony, and it's just a nice remembrance for this tree that has brought the community so much joy and you know history i mean there's just so many memories that people have 
told us about this tree that their grandmother played under it 60 years ago. It's also closure for the community, and I think that's really important. You know, I suggested the idea of this, so, you know, people have done a lot of work with this tree ordinance and trying to keep PG&E accountable. And so this tree was probably the, the symbol of the whole effort because it's so visible to the community and it's just a special tree. So, you know, them understanding that the tree is really sick and has to come down and understanding the science is really helpful because the city's position is that we can't have any trees that are a risk or we become liable if we don't allow them to be cut down and our insurance carrier drops us. So our hands have been tied and we've just been watching this group do such a wonderful job at trying to get some change and uh, basically, you know, keep a check on PG&E. I think that's what they're trying to do. And I think they've done a good job, but it's time to say goodbye to this tree now. And I think that's it. I think even this group seems to be in agreement with that. Yeah, and they are, which is really encouraging because they've asked us, they ask us to give a second opinion. We paid for Zeno Acton, who's a highly respected arborist and he's done a lot of work for the city. Uh, and he confirmed that it was even sicker than PG and had indicated. So they are not questioning the science, so, which is wonderful. Um, and so it's going to be sad, but you know, I think that they can do something, make commemorative bowls or some kind of artwork out of it and use it to buy more trees or to, you know, thank the community or something like that. And maybe they can carve the stump. We have to figure that out really quickly, though, because they're going to cut this soon. Uh, I think today was the last day that we had a reprieve on this tree. And so it's coming down. Uh, in the meantime, there's other trees up the street uh, that are still, uh, this group is still actively defending. Uh, what, what does the timeline look on that? You know, they've kind of kept me out of the loop because uh, I've been communicating with the tree people a lot. So I know that it's, ha it's imminent and, and they do. I, they're developing a security plan to keep everybody safe. That's the thing. That's what everybody's concern is. And I have to give PG&E credit for that. They're concerned about the people's safety. The city is concerned about the safety. NCPD is concerned about everybody's safety. And NCPD is in a tough position here because, you know, they don't want to arrest, you know, community members, but, you know, that's the law. And so, you know, they may arrest them for trespassing. Um, and there are some people who want to get arrested. So that's going to come to a head either the end of this week or beginning of next week, um, as far as I, you know, I would guess. Um, and that's where the, the last stand is going to be. Doug Fleming, a member of the city council, a new member of the city council. And um, thank you so much. No problem, Paul. My pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk with you. My name is Melanie Besser. I love this community. I've lived here 14 years. And I'm going to read something that one of the community members wrote. Do you want to be known? I'm not looking at you. Do you want to be known as the writer of this? Yeah, Leah wrote this, and I'm going to read it. And it appeared magically on the tree. <laughs> it appeared magically on the tree the day before yesterday when we were also upset. Bella Blue. Once there was a tree who lived in an old gold rush mining town at the foothills of the Sierra Madre Mountains. She was very tall. You had to look straight up at the sky to see her top. And there at the very tip was a giant nest. 
Bella Blue is 160 years old. She sits in the heart of the town. She is the heart of the town. Her ethnicity is Blue Atlas Cedar from the North African country of Algeria. That sounds pretty exotic. Why, you might ask, do the townspeople want a tree from so far away? That is another story, but the fact is that the townspeople who planted her did not get to enjoy her magnificence. They died long before she grew, grew to such stature. They planted her for us. The year is 2020. The whole state of California is under siege from forest fires. Over a million acres have burned. Some towns have burned to the ground. Many people have lost their homes, and some have lost their lives. This is not science fiction, it is true. A lot of people are blaming PG&E, the state's electric company, because they have not done a great job over the years to provide safe, affordable electricity to the people of California. And they started right here in this town. They have been responsible for more than a few fires. Some of their power lines, many of which have been in place for almost a century, have ignited trees starting these fires. PG&E, in turn, is blaming the trees. They say, if you just cut all the trees, you will be safe from the fire. And the townspeople think, well, gee whiz, if we let them cut down all the trees, we won't have that delicious shade we depend on in the summers. And the summers are getting hotter and hotter every year. The fewer trees, the hotter it will be. Plus, it may make it even easier for a fire to run through the town with old wooden houses and no breaks, i.e. trees, to protect them. Plus, in winter, the trees also protect the people in the houses from being assaulted by fierce winds. Plus, what about all the beautiful fall colors the oaks and other deciduous trees provide? We could go on and on and on about the benefits of trees, could we not? But PG&E plus PUC, Public Utilities Commission, and all those people in charge have their own agenda, which is basically, let's just get this thing over with as fast and as cheaply as we can. They do not listen to the townspeople. So the townspeople gather together informally, one or two people at a time, coming forward to sit in Bella Blue and tell people who walked by her story. And more and more people joined in who wanted to save her. And these people pitched in with some money to pay an arborist to come and assess the health of the tree PG&E was planning to cut down. The arborist made a study and determined that Bella was rotten on her insides and would not last much longer in any case. So all the tree huggers and tree savers and everyone who had grown to love Bella began to mourn. But on that very day, a young man, like an angel, was walking by and stopped to talk with the mourning tree sitters. What he told them was a little astounding. He opened his phone and quoted from the pages of the Federal and State Endangered Species Code. No tree that is a habitat to any living species can be cut. And so Bella got a reprieve. All the tree lovers had to do was document the birds and creatures that live in Bella. One more thing, all these people who have been loving her up cannot, cannot
not not have had an impact. Love does heal. This is the end of the story I am wishing for, but sadly, it is not the true ending of the story. Thank you, Leah. We will give you updates on this story as they develop. Closing out today's newscast, we'll have a song that was taken from the poem Woodman Spare This Tree, written by George Pope Morris in 1837. The song is sung by Benjamin Brown in 1922 and is thought to be maybe the first environmental song ever recorded. That's our newscast for this evening. Next up, we have The Sages Among Us and Democracy Now! at 7 o'clock.